Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, well, good morning, Meadowview. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to finish that chapter out and kind of go into chapter 2. And so uh, this morning is going to be a little bit different. We're going to actually have some moments in the sermon where I'm going to give you a prayer prompt. And that's going to be a moment where you can kind of pause, uh, you individually or you as a family, and just pray over this certain section that we're going through. Uh, but before we get into the message, I, I really have a question for you. Do you miss crowds? I mean, come on, do you? When you see all the sea of people right there, do you ever kind of think, oh man, I really wish that I was so close and tight with all those people that, you know, they're sweaty and they're all that stuff and they're smelly and they're rubbing up against. No, you don't really miss that. I mean, I mean, maybe you do miss going to uh, sporting events. Maybe you miss uh, the fact that there's absolutely nothing to watch on ESPN and, and you miss the days of going to the Vol Walk and just seeing a sea of orange. Maybe you miss being a part of that crowd or, or maybe you're stuck at home and you're thinking about vacation and your vacation got canceled because of all this pandemic and all the coronavirus and things that are going on. I mean, we were so bored this week at, at our house that my daughter, she did a PowerPoint presentation and she took our faces from our pictures and put them on the pictures of people who are at Disney. And she kind of gave us this whole presentation that we need to go back to Disney. Um, it was actually pretty convincing, uh, to be honest. I mean, do you miss crowds? I mean, that's really what I'm trying to ask. I mean, look at, look at this. This is Black Friday shopping. And this is kind of what I hope uh, Sunday morning is going to look like when we can all gather together again. I mean, look at this lady's face right here. I mean, that is, that is some determination. And I, I hope to see that on your face when you're coming in to find the perfect pew. Uh, maybe there'll be some determination there. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1, 39 through uh, chapter 2, verse 12. And this morning we're going to look at Jesus is. And so let me pray for us as we jump into Scripture. Father, I thank you so much for this time we have to, to listen to your word, to hear it read audibly, to concentrate on the things that were told about you. God, it's good news. It's the gospel. And Jesus, you are our hope in a time of trouble. So God, we would ask that you would speak to us now, uh, speak to us where we are and lead and guide us uh, by your spirit in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, Jesus is. Jesus is not only able, Jesus is willing to forgive. And so right there, Mark chapter 1, verse 39, we're going to end out this chapter. And it's a familiar story about a guy with leprosy. And if you're following along with our Monday prayer devotions, this is going to be really familiar because it's also found in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. But let's read these together. And he went through all of Galilee, preaching uh, in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. I mean, leprosy is a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. Leprosy is so horrible. It, it deems you not only unwell, but also unclean. Leprosy meant that you had to live alone without fellowship of family and friends. I mean, you were isolated. Talk about social distancing, right? I mean, you were alienated. Leviticus talks about leprosy, and it says this in Leviticus 13, 45. 
The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their hair, the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. I mean, how awful would it be to feel separated from those that are your friends and your family? How awful would it be to, to feel unclean, to be diseased? And this is exactly how this man felt. And he comes up to Jesus seeking help. At this point, we want to do a prayer prompt. We want to pause. And I'm going to ask you this question or this fill in the blank, and then we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And so this prayer prompt says this, I feel most alone and separated from God when blank. That's for you to fill in the blank there. When do you feel most alone and most separated from God? Take a moment, pray. Pray for those who feel isolated and alone. Pray that they will feel the presence of God today. Verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. I mean, understand this, this, the leprous people were not allowed to come within 50 paces of another human being, 50 paces. I mean, we're struggling with six feet. Am I right? Social distancing, six feet apart is so difficult. I mean, if you even make it into a store, a Walmart or a Home Depot or anything like that, you're doing your best with your car to stay six feet away. But a leper had to stay 50 paces away. Leprosy was horribly debilitating. It totally took over someone's body, but it was also horribly demeaning. You felt so ashamed and lonely, and yet this man came to him. He came running to him. I like how Warren Risby says this. He points out the fact that leprosy serves as a physical depiction of a spiritual sin. Like sin, leprosy is more than skin deep. Sin is a heart issue, not just an action issue. Sometimes we think that sin is the action, but it goes much deeper. Again, Leviticus chapter 13 talks a lot about leprosy. And in verse 3, it says this, And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin. And the disease, if the, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprosous disease. This this means it's not just that little tiny blemish on the outside of the skin. It goes much deeper. Sin's like that, isn't it? We think it's just this little blemish on our life, this thing that interrupts our life, this thing that, oh, it's maybe no big deal. Maybe it's a small sin, but we know it goes much deeper than our skin, our actions. Like sin, leprosy spreads. Sin starts small and infects every area of your life. I mean, many of us, we've thought that, oh, this sin's no big deal. I, I can get away with this. It's little, it's tiny. And then you begin to see it spread and infect every area of your life, your relationships, your workplace, your home life. Sin, it just keeps spreading. In Leviticus 13, verse 8, it says this, If the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. If it's beginning to spread, you, you begin to see how serious this disease is. And for your own life, you, you can see how serious sin is when you begin to see it spread into other areas of your life. Uh, like sin, leprosy defiles and isolates you from true fellowship. It, it separates you. Leviticus 13, verse 46, He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. 
Sin wants to do that. It wants to isolate you. Sin wants to pull you away from true fellowship. It wants to pull you away from fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. It wants you to be isolated so that you feel lonely and separated from God. That's what sin does. It pulls you away outside of the camp. And like sin, leprosy is a death sentence. In this day and time, there was no real cure for leprosy. And so if anyone got leprosy, it was basically a death sentence. The historian Josephus said a leper was in no way differing from a corpse. I mean, they were a walking dead. I mean, they were, I'm not going to say it, but in the Z word, right? Walking dead. Well, Ephesians 2.1 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You see, the Bible tells us we're not just bad people. We're not just people who need to get a little bit better. We're not just people who need to adjust our lives. We're people who are dead in sin, separated from God. We're like this leprous disease that puts us outside the camp, and we have to admit to ourselves and to everyone else, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. That's what sin does. You see, like sin, sin like leprosy separates us, but this guy, he ran to Jesus. He ran to him. He blew past that 50 paces that he had to keep. He didn't, even, he didn't even stay within the six feet radius, right? He went all the way to Jesus and he kneels before him and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. What a strong statement. This man has faith. He genuinely believes, God, if you will, you can do it. You see, he's basically saying, Jesus, I know you are able but are you willing? Jesus, I come to you. I know you're able, but are you willing? Isn't this how we approach Jesus when we can't see our circumstances changing? God, I know you're all powerful. I know you're sovereign. I know you can do it, but will you? Isn't this how we approach Jesus when we desperately need forgiveness, but we think that we're too repulsive to be forgiven? Isn't this how we come to God when we know that there's sin in our life that we're so ashamed of that makes us feel lonely and isolated and separated from God? God, I know you're able, but are you willing? I mean, you might be saying this right now. Jesus, I know the stories. I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you forgive people of their sin. I believe you're able, but right now I feel so ashamed, so separated, so horrible, so repulsive. Are you willing? And this is his reaction. Moved with pity. This word pity is a strong word in the Greek. I mean, it's the moving of the bowels. It's a stomach ache. He, he, he aches on the inside when he sees this man and he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He didn't keep the distance. He didn't adhere to social distancing. Jesus touched this man and he said, I will be clean. I want you to understand that when we come to Jesus, he's not only able, he's willing. Jesus is and was not only able to take away sins of the world, he is and was willing. I like how 1 Peter says it in 2.24. Peter, the one who's telling John Mark to write these very words that we're reading, he says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds You have been healed. Oh, Jesus is not only able, he's willing. And he proves that willingness by going to the cross, by dying in our place so that we could have forgiveness of sins, so we would be no longer separated 
from God. Let's keep reading verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This guy, he thinks he knows what's the right thing to do, and so he goes out and he starts telling everybody, even though that's the very thing that Jesus said not to do because it was hindering his ministry. It was hindering God's glory. There's sometimes when we think that we know what's best, and we go to God and we say, God, I think this is it. And he says, look, it's about my glory. I love what James Montgomery Boyce says. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he said this after he was diagnosed with cancer. And I want you to understand these words with me. Should you pray for a miracle? Well, you're free to do that, of course. My general impression is that the God who is able to do miracles, and he certainly can, is also able to keep you from getting the problem in the first place. So although miracles do happen, they're rare by definition. A miracle has to be an unusual thing. Above all, I should pray for the glory of God. When you think about these words and where we are with this pandemic, God is in control, right? We should be praying for the glory of God in the midst of these hard and difficult times. He keeps saying this, if you think of God glorifying himself in history and you say, where in all of history has God most glorified himself? He did it at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't by delivering Jesus from the cross, though he could have. Jesus said, don't you think I could call down from my father 10 legions of angels for my defense? But he didn't do it. And yet that's where God is most glorified. Understand, God is in charge. When things like this come into our lives, they are not an accident. It is is not as if God somehow forgot that he was what was going on and something bad slipped by. God is not only the one who is in charge, God is also good. God is also good. Everything he does is good. Church, understand this. Though there is sin, though there is sickness, though there is a world that's falling apart, there is a good God that deserves to be glorified. As we think about this for a moment, let's do another prayer prompt. Let's take 30 seconds or so, and let's just pause as an individual or as a family and say this, the sin of blank in my life makes me feel dirty and shameful. Take a moment and pray, confessing your need of a spiritual healing and a cleansing touch from God. Will you pray? Second thing I want you to see is Jesus not only is able, but Jesus is available to forgive. Let's continue reading as we get into Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I just want you to think about this. I've already asked you, do you miss crowds? This is a crowd. This is a crowd of people. They've gathered in. They've packed in this house. You can't even get in the doorway. I imagine it's out into the street. People are trying to get a view of this Jesus guy, this miracle worker. And Jesus is in there preaching the good news. He's preaching. And yet there's these men who come and they're bringing their paralytic friend to the feet of Jesus. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. You see, the crowds were inquisitive. There was a whole group of people. The scribes, the Pharisees were there. All these people were there. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They were just curious. They were just listening in. But these five men, they were intentional. They had something they needed to get done. And they weren't going to let anything stop them. Let me ask you, do you come to Jesus inquisitive or intentional? Do you come curious, hoping to hear something good? Do you come just wanting to be part of the crowd? Or do you come intentional? Even this morning, as you sit there and as you listen, have you come intentional with your Bible open? God, I want to hear from you today. I desperately need a touch from you. You see, intentionality Intentionally coming to Jesus, insist on bringing people to Jesus. That's what these men were doing. They were insistent on getting their friend to Jesus. I love what Martin Luther says. We're all mere beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. Do you tell people where you found bread? Do you tell people where you found toilet paper? I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? Do you tell people what you found that you've been looking for? Are you intentional about telling people the greatest discovery of your life, Jesus Christ? You see, but simply coming inquisitively to Jesus, it's indifferent about bringing people to Jesus because you're just wanting to hear something good. You're just wanting to get what you need out of it. But intentionality is coming, longing to be able to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ, longing to bring others to Jesus because he is our only hope. Verse 2. It says, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they could not get near him. Has it ever occurred to you that those who are satisfied by being part of the inquisitive crowd are unintentionally getting in the way of the ones who are intentionally looking for Jesus? Has it ever dawned on you that not being intentional about your walk with God, but just being part of the crowd could actually hinder someone who is really looking for Jesus, really looking for salvation, really looking for help, really looking for healing. This crowd was in the way, but these men, they were not going to be deterred. This story, it makes us ask two very simple and probing questions. Number one, what are you willing to do to bring your friends to Jesus? What are you willing to do? And number two, do your friends see you as an inquisitive member of a church crowd or as an intentional follower? Those are two very important probing questions because last week we learned followers become fishers of men. Verse 4, And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. 
And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now get this. They, they saw they couldn't get in. The crowd was too big. The door was jammed. So they go up the steps on this one-story house. And there's a, there's a roof there with, with the beams and clay and thatch and maybe some tiles. And they began to just dig. They were saying, we're going to get you to Jesus one way or another. Get this. These guys got creative. They got resourceful. They got destructive. They got their hands dirty. They didn't turn around at the first sign of inconvenience because they were intentional. Let me ask you, when it comes to showing Jesus to your friends and bringing Jesus to your friends, do you get resourceful? Do you get creative? Do you get destructive? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? Or are you prone to turn around at the first sign of inconvenience? We're called to be intentional. Intentional followers of Jesus Christ. Here's our third prayer prompt of this morning. I know blank needs to come to Jesus. You fill in that blank. Who is it in your life? I know so-and-so needs to come to Jesus. I want you to take a moment and pray for that person specifically. Ask God to instill in you a heart of intentionality that will creatively work past the inconvenience of bringing them to Jesus. Will you take a moment and will you pray? Third thing is this. Jesus not only is able, uh, Jesus has authority to forgive. Jesus is not only able, but he has authority. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Verse 9, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I mean, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Now, it would have been easier for him to say your sins are forgiven, because if, if you tell someone, oh, your sins are forgiven, there, there might not be any immediate change in their life. There might be nothing that you can look at and say, oh, I can tell the difference. But if you're to heal somebody who's paralyzed and they get up and they grab their bed and they take off back home, there's no questioning whether or not they were healed. So Jesus takes this moment to say, well, which do you think is easier for me to tell him his sins are forgiven or for me to show you his sins are forgiven by making him walk? And he takes this opportunity to show them that they may know that he has authority to forgive sins. I mean, he's claiming divinity here. He's claiming to be God. He wants them to know that he has authority. He is the son of man. And he used this one title for himself more than any other title. The son of man, this title accurately conveys his eternal identity and his earthly ministry. How do we know that? Because the prophet Daniel. Kids, you remember Daniel, the one that was thrown into the lion's den? Well, he says this in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He writes, I saw the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of the heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. 
And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus Christ is the son of man. He has a kingdom. His dominion reigns forever for all peoples of all nations, all tribes and all tongues. Jesus is the one who has authority to forgive sins. See, Jesus is able. Jesus is willing. Jesus is available. And Jesus has authority to forgive all of our sins. This morning, if you feel ashamed, if you feel lonely, if you feel isolated, if you feel like your sins are too grievous to come to Jesus, I want you to know he's not only able, but he's willing. He's not only able and willing, but he's available right now. All you need to do is call out to him in prayer because he has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus is for all people. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're hurting, if you're lost, if you're lonely, if you're sick, and if you are deep in sin, all you need to do is come to him, for he is able and willing. I want to close by praying for you, but if if you've made a decision this morning, I want you to reach out to us at NBCGeorgetownTN at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what's going on in your life and how we can pray for you. But let me pray for you right now. Gracious Father, I come to you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us hope in times of darkness. You give us healing in times of sickness. You give us uh, peace in times of turmoil. Father, we thank you so much that you have complete authority over the sin that wrecks our world and wrecks our lives. God, we come to you. We bow before you and we submit our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons 